Good morning, I'm Jamie McGarry from Valley Press. And I'm Emma Wright from the Emma Press. Um, so we're both um, young entrepreneurs and we're publishers, so we're also small press publishers, uh, as you might call it, or indie publishers, if you want to use the kind of language the Guardian would use <laughs> if they were here. <laughs> um, and we started talking on the phone uh, several years ago, um, almost every week, if we can manage it, every week, uh, usually on a Friday morning. And uh, we decided at long last to open these conversations up and to record them for posterity and uh, for a willing and waiting audience, um, I hope. (laughs) Yeah, well, I was hoping that maybe other publishers would join in the conversation and share some of their business practices and concerns and tips. And also maybe we'd inspire other people to start their own publishing houses once they hear that it's actually quite doable and it's not yeah it doesn't have to be really expensive and it doesn't have to be really hard and I also hope that maybe some readers would listen and get more of an idea about what happens behind the scenes at publishing houses yes yeah so the the angle is kind of it's kind of business and it's publishing is specifically that's a hard word to say on the radio (laughs) (laughs) Um, and and also we'll be talking about our weeks which you normally do and and perhaps a bit of um, unrelated things just to make you Chuckle. That's you, the listeners, not you. <laughs> but since you're working on you. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm seeing as a mixture between our normal Friday morning phone calls where we talk about what we've been up to, what things we're trying out, and then bigger questions like, why are we doing this? And, and then hopefully something a bit more outward facing. So we'll talk about new stories we've seen in the bookseller or reactions to some of our experiments so we'll do a mix and hopefully people will start sending us questions and we can answer them or discuss them and we'll always try to be very precise and maybe bring in some figures as well because I think that's helpful when talking about the mysterious world of publishing. Uh, Yes absolutely yes it's always good to get figures I'm always excited when I see well or I get to talk to a publisher about their um, the sort of backroom stuff and uh, find out because there's not very much transparency in the publishing world everyone's got their own little um schemes going on and uh, and and no one really knows what sort of what how the engine works but i'd love to open up the bonnet of a the, the small publisher and uh, <laughs> poke around inside uh, metaphorically yeah i think it broadly is more helpful if we do share this knowledge i think sometimes either it's embarrassingly low or suspiciously high but perhaps a lot of us are actually kind of somewhere in between and we could all help ourselves get unsuspiciously successful if we yeah, share and this podcast is another this podcast is another step towards transparency because the call used to be private and now it's it's out there you can all listen in and see what we're up to and i, I certainly will be as 99 percent honest <laughs> <laughs> i'll be 100 percent honest but 99 percent revel revelatory <laughs> and uh, i don't know about you <laughs> um, i will save that last one percent for the other calls because we're still going to do a private call once uh, every couple of weeks aren't we yeah i'd say that one percent is probably reserved for just venting in general which isn't suitable yeah. for podcasts so if you would like to get in touch with us um, you can email me on jamie at valleypressuk.com. So note there's only one dot in that email address. That's jamie at valleypressuk.com. And you can email me at editor at theemmapress.com. So there's, remember, there's double E, so the 
emmapress.com. Oh, I see. Yes, the the Emma Press. Yeah. <laughs> Some people write <laughs> Thema Press, which. Oh yeah, Thema Press. Yeah, that's that's interesting. That's the, that's the kind <laughs> of micro detail that people are cheering in for. I think. <laughs> so um, that's the micro bits, and to get a bit uh, macro, I thought the first question I should ask you is. Why do you why do you do it? Why why do we get into publishing? Because there are lots of easier ways of making it. A few, uh, few bob. I definitely stumbled into it. I'd never pretend that there was any kind of plan, and that I'd always wished I was a publisher. I've always loved reading, but I thought I would end up doing something with my hands. So I thought I would be sewing things or drawing, and I never expected to be running a business. But the thing I really love about running a business is the independence it gives me. So I I just really enjoy being able to think about what to do next and how to overcome these difficulties. And even though the difficulties can be really difficult, I I really relish the challenge. And knowing that they're my difficulties and I've brought them on myself is kind of weirdly rewarding. So I'm taking full responsibility for my life. So that's a really broad answer. And then... I guess my smaller answer is that I really enjoy putting books together and all the processes are surprisingly fun. Yeah, it's good to remember that, isn't it, what, once in a while. Um, <laughs> and uh, yes, uh, my, my why is that I've always, um, I've always made books since I was uh, very young. I think I got my first one when I was six and um, I've still got it, actually. It was about... Uh, it was about. It was called the Jelly Turtle, and it was a ripoff of the Gingerbread Man. Um, <laughs> but the, the Jelly Turtle ran away, and then a fox ate him. And then, in a twist, the final twist, the fox had to go to the dentist because he'd eaten too much jelly, and it was bad. It's bad for you, it turns out. <laughs> but it's quite nice. It's all stapled together and, and with little illustrations and so on. Yeah, I think um, this is just another example of how we're fairly opposite in our business practices. So I think you, you're a born publisher, and even if you tried to get away from it, it would come back, and you'd work for a big company, you'd end up running their magazine or something. Whereas, yeah, I've, I'm not born into it, but <laughs> I'm learning yeah, to love it. Yeah, I, I have kept being um, pushed back towards it, and I never until um, probably till I was about twenty, I never thought. I would do it as a job. I didn't even realise you could do it as a job. Or well, I certainly didn't realise you could do everything yeah. and make a living from it. I thought that I'd be put into a particular department. Like, I imagined you'd just be the person doing this or this this particular boring thing or this boring thing. Uh, but I didn't realise you could get to everything. That's one of the things I like about it, being able to um, sort of create something. This All right, I knew that editors existed, so I knew that you could be an editor and I assumed that someone must be the illustrator and the the cover designer as well but I didn't really think about it as a whole and I was completely unaware of the small press publishing scene until basically I started and then had to learn how to kind of find my way through it. Yeah weren't you going to also do like brooches and stuff? Yeah again so I really really did stumble into this <laughs> initially it was going to be um, fabric brooches kind of ruched silks and bits of organza all kind of sewn up into brooches then I had an idea for baby banners which was going to be kind of like heraldic banners you could hang on you could hang on the wall and celebrate the birth of your new baby and coats of arms and things so I had this whole plan for sewn products but really I'm not that good at sewing I'm I'm good at having ideas but my execution isn't great and I didn't really want yeah, to out- If you'd like one of those things, contact no one at <laughs> no, <laughs> no sewingpress.com. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, so my, I was um, on the Princess Dress Mentor mentoring program at the time, and my mentor kept saying, well, if you want to really make a living from your sewn stuff, then you're going to have to outsource it because you can't possibly make enough to make a living from it. But I kind of thought that would, de- that would defeat the objects of running the sewing business in the first place because I wanted to be doing something I loved. And I thought, well, if I'm just organising for people to sew, then that wouldn't be as fun. But at the same time, it was... Um, at the same time, there was a publishing branch, so I wanted to learn about being a book illustrator, and that was my backup plan. I thought maybe I'll get good enough about, I'll get good enough at illustrating books, and then I can get work that way. So that was the thing that came to the forefront because once you've made a book, once you've created the files, you can then keep printing it for as, as long as you like. So that and it ended up being a pragmatic decision, but also by that point, I wasn't sad to give up the sewing because I. I was hand sewing and my hands were getting really sore <laughs> and yeah, it wasn't as fun. It's not fun when you have to kind of sew, you know, 50, 50 tote bags. And yeah, that's, that, that, that sounds bad. <laughs> um, yeah. But I think, um, I think you touched on there the, um, the real sort of fundamental appeal to me from publishing, which has always been the case since I was small is that you create something and then it's, it's always there. And that's why I never got really seriously into like cooking or something, although I love a good meal. <laughs> but you, however, you put, create this beautiful dish and then everyone eats it and then it's gone. It's just a memory. Or even with events. We'll talk about events some other week. But, um, but having a book and, and it's there and then it's always there. And it's always something you've done. And then you get more and more over the years. That whole sort of... The idea that you're working not just to... What's that old metaphor about the man and the fish? It's not. You, if you give him a rod, just, then he can fish yeah. for life. You give him a fish and he eats for a day. Let's say that's like being a freelance designer. You give him a rod <laughs> and he eats. But you, you give him a fish farm and he's never hungry again, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to be dissing. I might need to work on that. Freelance designer life. Um, what was I going to say? Um, Let them eat fish? No. <laughs> <laughs> Ultimately, the reason I stick with the Emma Press is that there's always a book at the end of every process. So you might be working on it for months or even over a year, and that can sometimes be quite a gruelling process. But at the end of it, there's a lovely book, and that kind of keeps me going. And there are always enough books, and I always think, oh, I'm excited about the next one. And you can just look at it, you're right, thinking about kind of meals or other more ephemeral things. I think that's why everyone still does love the book, and everyone's constantly wondering when it's going to die out and be replaced by something more whizzy. But there's just something undeniably satisfying about having all of your labour gone into this this object, which can be mass-produced, but also it's unique. And I think that's the really addictive thing about publishing. Yeah, oh, yeah, you're right, actually. That's interesting, the, the addictive thing. Sometimes <laughs> some of the behaviour, especially of some of the smaller publishers, and us as well, is, is perhaps a little bit... Um, addictive yeah. would you would you say that yeah it, i would not, i think i had this it's not of, always healthy <laughs> i had a kind of a wake-up moment i think in one of our last calls and you said in a really nice way you said oh i mean you're um you're one of the best publishers i know um because you, you always kind of work until your eyes just fall out <laughs> <laughs> and you're you're paying yeah. me a compliment but i i just i did take a long hard look at myself afterwards and i thought is is that such a good thing 
maybe some of me was pleased, but also I thought, should I be pleased about that? And genuinely, after that, I started thinking about taking care of myself more. <laughs> it wasn't all the people oh, saying, good. you should take care of yourself. It was you saying, you work until your eyes yeah. fall out. And that was a... Yeah, the, the calls can, these calls can be very important, listeners. Sometimes, um, you need, sometimes we need the calls like we need a trip to the supermarket. <laughs> but sometimes we need the calls like we need a trip to the hospital. That's, that's when they really, that's when they really, really come into their own. Yeah. Um, well, I think in the life of a small press publisher, and at some point, I'd like to talk about what a normal day is for us or a normal week. But there's, I think you've got more structure now. Now you've got the proper staff and and an office. But still, it's it's really really varied, and that's why it's exciting and fun. But also, there you just do feel the lack of a structure sometimes, and that was partly why. We started the call because it was nice to have this kind of Friday morning chats where, I mean, you don't tend to do that much on a Friday anyway because people don't reply to your emails. But knowing that that's yeah. just there. Yeah, I often wonder that. I was wondering, where, where are they all? <laughs> yeah, it's just kind of everyone's winding down. And especially in the summertime, lots of people have um, summer working hours when they, they work extra hours during the week and they're not in on Friday afternoons. So just generally you kind of think there's no point in plugging away, even though it's important for you to be doing all the work on the Friday. I feel like we might as well take it slightly easier and, yeah, just kind of catch up and reflect. And I think if I didn't do that, I would just kind of keep keep going until I just burned out husk. And also, I guess... Until I, your eyes fall out. Isn't it? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, I guess that's that's what happens. Um, and also, I guess I partly missed um, meeting up with my mentor because for, I think, 2000 and... 13, 40, maybe through till midway through 2015, I was meeting up with my Prince's Trust mentor every month. And that was a really good time to look back on the month and things that had gone well. And that kind of, I always think about the things that are going badly, but I don't often think about the things that have just gone well. So I just move on past them. So it's nice to be able to report those back to you on Fridays as well. And then kind of remind myself that actually the whole the whole week hasn't been hellish. It's just been patches sometimes. Yeah. Well, if people ask, if I want to impress someone, I tell them that I do engage in weekly mentoring <laughs> um, for self-development. And it's it's peer mentoring is what the correct business term is for what we're doing, um, I would say. Huh. Yeah, I think, yeah, that is a that does sound good. It sounds very impressive. Like we've been set up on a scheme and we've been kind of screened and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would have been a good idea, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so, so next on the podcast, we're, uh, we've got a, what might be a regular feature, which is: Have you had any new ideas this week? <laughs> and and I'm, t- <laughs> I'm told that my my colleague here has had a new idea, which will now tell us all about. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, so I was being interviewed by a local magazine, Quarter Life, and it was interesting because she was talking to a lot of other local makers about the gift options that they had, so ready for Christmas, so it's going to come out in the November issue, and she asked if any of my books could be personalised. And, and it's called Quarter Life because it's named after the jewellery quarter? Yes, I live and work in the Not because you live, uh, because your life is worth uh, a quarter. <laughs> Work. Okay, I'd be glad if this was the quarter, of, first quarter of my life. So yeah, yeah so, so yeah, that'd be nice. And so early on, the jewellery quarter in Birmingham. There, uh, listeners, in case you, I, I, I'm uh, based in Scarborough, North Yorkshire, oh, and yeah. Emma's based in Birmingham in the jewellery quarter in the UK. 
thank you. Please continue. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I just said, no, um, no, I don't. But I thought about it in a way that I hadn't really thought about it since I first started. Because originally I was going to do kind of little wedding booklets. I was thinking instead of favours that are kind of trinkets, you could create a personalised little booklet that would be on nice cream paper with silver foiling and you could create your own little anthology. Um, Yeah, so so I hadn't really thought about it since then. And I went to a disastrous wedding fair where no one really knew what we were. So (laughs) I gave up on my my wedding fair ambitions. But then, yeah, I I was thinking maybe I would do one deluxe personalised print-on-demand book for Valentine's Day next year. So, yeah, I wondered if you'd thought about doing personalised one-offs and... Do you think that, oh, that, yes, would that yeah. kind of devalue publishing? I don't know. It's, it's kind of, it feels like there are companies that do personalised gifts and there are companies that do kind of serious publishing. Um, and not that not that necessarily bothers me, but I think it might be a good idea. And I think that would be another way of bringing good quality poetry to people. But Well, the, the real champions of this um, idea are, um, they're called Lost My Name, aren't they? They're yeah, yeah. This, um, they do these children's books where they have a page for each letter of a child's name and then they they get put into the book. So if, you, if your name's Jamie, for example, an excellent name, um, you, you'd have the page for J and the page for A and so on. So uh, I think, I don't know if they do like a load of Jamie ones, probably not, but I think each book is printed on demand and um, that's and they've, made, they've made a lot of money out of that and um, they're a very successful company. Yeah. But is there any way we could do it? And you're thinking about like personalised poetry anthologies. Yeah, like how much effort it would take to personalise an anthology and how what the unit cost would be for a, a one-off or a two-off, but kind of hardback with I don't know, cloth binding and a ribbon, nice paper. Lightning Source do um, sort of rudimentary hardbacks with a dust jacket and um, a, a cloth colour. You can have blue or grey. That's the two choices you've got currently. Really? They're not really, they're not really the kings of um, choice. But, <laughs> but they are they are very good at doing um, print-on-demand for a low cost. And I think that they will cost you... For a, for a small book, you're probably looking at £6 a unit. Okay. Um, and I can't remember... I haven't got the figures in front of me, but I think... Yeah, you can look them up on their website. Uh, I think that includes... Um, shipping and so on. Yeah, I guess it's just sometimes I like to pick up ideas and kind of turn them around in my head and then I can put them down again. But for this one, I thought, I think I definitely could do it in theory. It's just the amount of time it would take to put together each individual one to kind of process those orders. And would that be worth my time or would it basically be a distraction? So it'll be fun for a bit and then suddenly it'll be taking over from the new books, which I'd be producing. Well, I think with all these things, the, the the first thing you need to think of is a way of trying it, trying it out in a way that isn't disruptive. Yeah. Um, to your own business, I I tried the closest thing I've got to this is the um, limited edition hardbacks. Yeah. A couple of the books I've done in the last twelve months, in addition to the usual paperback runs, I've done a hundred hardbacks. Uh, so limited to hundred, they're all hand numbered and signed by the author. So you know you've got number one of a hundred or number. Yeah, and how have people responded to that? Have you sold out? No, I haven't sold out of either edition. Um, people have responded warmly to it. Yeah. Um, uh, but it turns out that probably 
it is only the author's really close friends who want, want those luxury books. And, I guess that's and of course, single printing costs were much more. They're single authors, yeah. so I'm thinking a collection of love poems. Maybe there'll be a broader appeal. Well, hardbacks are always beautiful, and yeah, uh, yeah. any more any more Emma, hard, Emma Press hardbacks you can bring into the world uh, are a <laughs> g- great thing. I should I should think. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've recently done the first hardback, but that's still it's a paper case cover, so where the where it's printed right directly onto the, the it's hardback. Very, bits. very nice. Love the end papers <laughs> as well. It's uh, one of the best books I've ever seen, uh, design wise. <laughs> I feel like I've just arranged this podcast so you can big me up. Um, but... We have to big each other up a little bit. It's, uh, that's, that's the noisy classroom uh, available now uh, <laughs> from all good bookshops and some bad ones. <laughs> I thought that your hardback experiment was a really good one. I, th- I thought it was really interesting because you'd been writing about it in the run-up to doing them, thinking about doing different editions and start kind of putting them on sale on your website before they hit the bookshops and just thinking of different ways to to make the cash flow work better. So they, they were the result of those thoughts, weren't they? I think so. I can't remember now, but I am doing it again. Um, this time I've got, a, I've got a book coming up that has more of a, a commercial angle than usual, which is our Britpop encyclopedia. Yeah. And uh, there were, we had a few emails asking about hardback edition. Some said, oh, have it, can we get a hardback edition for Christmas? Oh. So uh, the book normally is fifteen ninety nine. That's for the paperback. Um, which is quite a high price, but we'll get on to pricing yeah, in yeah. the week. Talk for hours whole, about pricing. So, so I popped on the website. It was easy as this. This is all the work I've done the hardback so far. I popped on the website. Hardbacks, this thirty pounds, mm. and I thought I'll see if anyone bites. And so far, we've had uh, we had about three orders, Joe. Yeah, yeah about we already had three. So that's so we're up ninety pounds so far. Um, and how are you making and, these hardbacks? Are they through Lightning Source? Yeah, eventually they'll be. Um, there'll be, be print on demand. It depends how many we get. I mean, if we get a lot more orders, if we get, I think if we get like 20 hardback orders, I'll consider printing 100 yeah. at once. But if it's just a, a few, then we can, and, we, and thanks to the modern technology, we can make those available for people. If people want the hardback, they can have the hardback. Yeah, no, that is um, really good. I should definitely, should, you've got really on board with the lightning source print on demand options. And I think that's really great. I've just been really lazy and haven't. <laughs> so I've put maybe three books on Lightning Source, three titles, and they are selling kind of just steadily, just kind of, I don't know, two or three a month. But every time I see them, I think I'm a fool for not having more titles on. Like, how many of your titles are on Lightning Source? Well, I've I've experimented endlessly with Lightning Source, yeah. especially in, the, in, in 2016. I've tried every different variation you can do. I've tried distributing books with general worldwide appeal around the world, mm. and that works quite well. Yeah. And there's one book, I did a book by an American author, and that's been selling quite well in America. Um, about 20 a month, I think. Mm, um, and that's, that's through really the Lightning Source. Because America is where they're particularly switched on, because that's where Ingram is based. I think that they're, they're owned, owned by the... I mean, there's a lot. I mean, this what, we've, what I've just said here is not the entry-level discussion for the... Um, yeah. This and, and other print-on-demand companies are available, I should also mention. <laughs> this is just... The, I'm just trying to master this particular one. Um, so that's not that helpful for any um, new beginners. But do email in with some questions about yeah, we how can best talk to use that. In yeah. at length about it. Thanks for listening to Jamie and Emma's Friday morning meeting. If you have any questions you want us to think about and answer in our next podcast, just send us an email on jamie at valleypressuk.com. Dot com, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at, just email us at valley at... No. <laughs> <laughs>
Um, we don't need to do the email addresses again. We did them earlier. People, yeah. people will find them. You'll, you'll find our email addresses. Send us an email, tweet us, send us a message on Facebook, and we'll try to start dealing with them at some point. The end. <laughs> it's over. Leave. Uh, see, see you. Next, yeah. <laughs> I just, we just go... Uh, See you next time on the Friday morning meeting. Yeah. And then the music kicks in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay, right, okay. Okay, yeah, I'm going to stop recording. Okay. <laughs>